Welcome to the Disciples Dialogue, where believers celebrate their commonalities, share their testimonies, and edify the body of Christ. Each episode contains healthy conversations between Brother Jill and a guest speaker. Thanks for joining the Disciples Dialogue. Praise the Lord, everyone. Welcome back to the Disciples Dialogue, and thank you for joining me again. I have another great uh, guest speaker with me today, and I'm very excited to announce that I have with me Brother Doug Norvell, all the way out of the state of Texas from End Time Ministries. Brother Norvell, welcome to the Disciples Dialogue. Brother Till, I appreciate you having me on here tonight. I've been looking forward to this for a while, so I appreciate it. Absolutely. I am excited um, for any of any of you listening tonight who are not familiar with Brother Norvell or um, End Time Ministries, uh, I would ask you to go and, and check them out. They're, they've got websites, and they're on YouTube and Facebook, everywhere, all social media platforms. Um, they they bring a lot of great, uh, very needed content uh, to the world. And so um, I've asked Brother Norvell to come and join me and talking about an update because there are so many things going on in the world today and so many things pointing towards the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so um, the the Bible, from my understanding, understanding is clear. I think the Lord wants us to have an understanding of his return, uh, and he has given us some signs. And And with all these things going on today, I'm, I've asked Brother Norvell to come on and, and give us an update. So I guess, Brother Norvell, before we get into the updates, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry and, and your involvement with End Time Ministries? Sure. Um, well, I started listening to End Time Ministries when it was called Politics and Religion back in the 90s. Um, I just kind of stumbled across the program here in Dallas, Texas one day when I was leaving my, my workplace. And um, and I heard Pastor Baxter on there talking, and it changed my life that day. From from that day on, that, that radio program changed my life. And uh, I came home that night and started looking in the Bible. And before that, I, you know, I hadn't even really picked my Bible up very much. We were in a, a place in life. I was only in my 20s. I'm now 56 years old. So I was I was a young man back then. And uh, my wife and I were, um, you know, we we had come to a place in our marriage where we were kind of struggling a little bit. And I was kind of in rebellion whenever I found Pastor Baxter on the radio. And um, so long story short, I got hooked on the prophecies of the Bible and started getting back into the Word of God, and that led us back into church. We'd been in church prior, and we kind of stopped going, and then we really got back into church. But uh, I had no idea where God was going to take us. And uh, I can remember telling my wife back then I was so enthusiastic about what I was learning, and I told her, I said, I don't know why, but I feel like we're going to be part of this ministry one day, and she thought I was crazy. <laughs> She, she told people, I think Doug's lost his mind. And uh, the crazy thing about it was um, back in, uh, man, I can't even remember what year it was when they moved down. It was about 12 years ago or maybe 15 now that they moved from Indiana down to Garland, Texas. Well, that was where we lived. We lived in a little suburb outside of Dallas, and, and I worked in Garland. And I heard on the radio that day that they were moving to, to Garland, Texas. And I'm like, what is going on? And so – um, I took some time off. I went over and helped them move in the office and stuff and kind of got to 
to meet Pastor Baxter, but, um, you know, I'd still continuing to listen every single day on the radio and everything. Um, but it wasn't time for me to get involved in end time at that point. And I became a youth pastor at the church we were going to. And I did that for seven years. And, uh, and, and most of everything that I taught was what I had learned from this ministry. Cause we didn't just do prophecy. He had understanding the Bible that he took you through and he had, uh, one Bible study called a whole new, your Bible, a whole new world. Mm-hmm. And that, that Bible study taught me so much. And, um, and so the, the pastor that I was under and everything, he was just kind of enthused by what, you know, I learned and, and what I knew and he was on fire for that. So anyway, I did that for seven years, but we really got involved with the time ministry after I stopped being a youth pastor, we had gone to the Bible studies there at the studio where we are now. And I got involved in those Bible studies and met Dave Robbins. And mm-hmm. anyway, long story short, my wife went to work for brother Baxter before I did. She became his, his conference uh, coordinator. Oh. And I, I traveled with them and still was holding down my regular job. But I, I traveled with them and, and drove pastor Baxter to the conferences and everything and I always tell everybody, I guess he felt sorry for me because I was around all the time. He finally said, just hire that kid and put him on a payroll. Yeah, put him on payroll. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, I started doing that. I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined that I would be on the radio and, you know, on social media doing the show every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when Brother Baxter passed away in uh, 2020, it really was a shock to all of us. Mm-hmm. We, we did not ever think that that would happen because we thought, you know, surely he's going to be here with us till Jesus comes yeah. back, you know? And, uh, and so that was a shock to our system. Uh, but we knew that he had Dave prepared, Dave Robbins and, and had him ready. Uh, and it just, uh, it kind of took off from there. And the crazy thing about it was COVID took pastor Baxter away from us. And then, COVID is what got Vince and I on the air. Dave got sick with COVID and he couldn't be on the radio. He was out for like a month almost. And we couldn't have, you know, repeats day after day after day. So they just kind of threw me and Vince out there. Wow. (laughs) And and so that's kind of how we got started. But the great thing about it was, you know, because I'd listened to the program for so long and because I worked in the ministry, you know, as a minister on staff and, and my job, you know, back when I first, started talking to you that's all I did was I answer emails and telephone calls and Mm -hmm. uh, monitored the program and everything when uh, Pastor Baxter and Pastor Robbins was on and so that's how I learned God just had me in position to where I had to learn this stuff because I was answering the questions all the time and you know doing all that so it's just a natural thing and that's what I tell everybody God prepared me and got me where I needed to be because I would have never been able to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I can't believe that I can get on there now and do that program every day, but it's only by the grace of God that that, that happens every day, and it's because he's so awesome that he's equipped me and got me prepared for it. Amen. So, yes, sir. So I've been working for him for six years now. I've been on payroll, but I've only been uh, an on-air minister for the last two years. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I can tell you, uh, I have been appreciative of your efforts, uh, even back several years ago when, when you were, uh, you, you became my point of contact when I had questions, uh, because I, I, like you, I fell in love with, um, in time ministries. I, I fell in love with Bible prophecy and studying always just studying and comparing 
um, things in Matthew 24 to Revelation and and looking at all the signs and, and just seeing all this converging. And then I would say, well, you know, but I don't understand this. I need I need more context here. And so I would reach out to you via email, and you always provided a response to me and helped me out. So I, I greatly appreciate that, and it's it's an honor to to sit down and actually uh, do a podcast with you now. Yes, sir. It's 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 an honor for me to get to meet you because we, we have talked for several years in emails and things like that. So it's it's great to get to see your face, yes, you know, sir. put a, a face with a name. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, well, I want to be respectful of your time. And, um, and so I want to take advantage of, of your knowledge of the word of God and, um, Bible prophecy. And I've got so many questions. I won't get them all in tonight, but some of the more, um, more pressing issues that are, that are going on right now. Um, if I could, I'd like to start out with this um, as it pertains to the coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ, uh, the rapture of the church. How close are we and why, why do you believe this? Well, we believe that we're, you know, at least seven years away from the return of Jesus Christ. And there's reasons why we believe that, um, you know, you're familiar with the ministry. So, you know, that we teach a post tribulation rapture. We yes. believe that there's scripture for that. And so because of that, there are things that we're seeing that are starting to take shape, uh, that appear like we're at least seven years away from that, if not more, mm-hmm. uh, whenever one, one of the things, let me just say this. One of the things that we're looking for, of course, is the Daniel nine twenty seven mm-hmm. that confirmation of the covenant that Daniel nine twenty seven talked about where that's going to be the antichrist makes this confirmation uh, a peace treaty is, is basically what that is. And the way that we understand that that's a peace treaty, everybody asks that all the time, but that confirmation of the covenant that goes all the way back to Genesis to the covenant God made with Abraham mm-hmm. and Israel's right to exist in that land. So God said, you know, you have this land from the great river in Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, uh-huh. and that's going to be your people's land. And so, that's going to be it, it. They're still not going to have all that territory, but this antichrist, the, this political figure that will get this peace treaty together, he's going to make a, that confirmation that yes, Israel has a right to exist in this land. And then there's going to be a peace treaty there because we know that Israel will be able to build the third temple. Mm-hmm. They'll be able to start animal sacrifices back because in the middle of that, seven-year period that Daniel speaks of, Daniel's 70th week, the Antichrist stands in the temple of God and declares that he is God and stops the animal sacrifices. And and when he makes that statement that he's God or to be worshipped as God, that's the abomination of desolation that we hear about in Matthew 24 and verse 15 when, when Jesus says, um, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Mm-hmm. Let those who be in Judea flee. So we know that that all these things still have, have yet to take place. But when President Trump worked on the Abraham Accords, mm-hmm. and I, I can remember the day that they released the name of it. I'm calling Dave on the phone because we were in, we in uh, kind of a COVID lockdown still in the state of Texas where uh, everybody was kind of working from home. And, and my wife and I, live a couple hours away from end time. And so we live out in the country. And so I'm calling Dave on the phone. I'm going, Dave, are you looking at this? Are you watching this? 
And he's like, yeah, man, I can't believe they're calling it the Abraham Accord. And and so anyway, it was just, we were thinking, what is going on? So almost all the pieces of the puzzle were put in place there. Yes. So it it says in Daniel 9, 27, that he shall make a covenant with many. Mm -hmm. So the many people, we're watching these Arab nations coming in Mm -hmm. and signing up on this peace agreement to have what they call normalization with Israel, where they're going to begin to to trade with Israel. They're going to share intel with Israel. They're going to allow travel into their nations by Israelis and Muslims can come freely into Israel. And so all these things are opening up. So we were thinking, man, this is moving along fast. Well, then God kind of put the brakes on all that, you know, and, and we've seen that happen before. So we were like, man, we, we may be getting ready to see this final seven year start. And then it didn't happen. Right. And, the, the key element that's still not there is that the Palestinians and Israelis have not come to that peace agreement table. And they're going to be the two main factors of us knowing the final seven years have started. Mm-hmm. Because we know in Scripture where it says, let those who be in Judea flee, mm-hmm. Judea is going to be given to the Palestinians as a state. And that's what the Abraham Accords even talk about, the two-state solution giving this this area to the Palestinians, and they're going to share this land with Israel. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the major things that give us an idea of at least we're seven years away because that hasn't started yet. Mm-hmm. The other major factor, the other major prophecy that we're looking for is the Six Trumpet War and what a lot of people refer to as World War Three. Um, the reason being because so many people are going to be killed in that war. You know, it says one-third of mankind. And so because we see one-third of mankind in there, we know that eight uh, million people were killed in World War One, and they called it World War. World War Two, 52 million were killed. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at 2.3 billion that are going to be killed in this war that's getting ready to happen. So uh, one-third of mankind – that's how we label it as this is World War III, the Six Trumpet War. Mm-hmm. So we know that those two things are running parallel, that, that uh, Six Trumpet War and this peace agreement. We don't know which one happens first because the Bible doesn't give us that information. Mm-hmm. And what are we hearing all the time in the news right now? World War Three, World War Three. Sure. you know, Russia, Ukraine, then uh, China and Taiwan. Now we've got Iran and uh, Israel. You know, Iran is threatening Israel every day in the media saying, you know, that they're going to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Israel cannot let Iran get a nuclear weapon because they'll use it on them. Sure. They've already told them that's what they're going to do. So those are things that we're looking at every day and we're going, yes, we are really close. We're getting closer than we've ever been. I agree. Um Man, there's so much to to talk about, and I feel like some people um, who may listen to this, I would encourage you if you feel overwhelmed already, because there are so many, uh, so much of what you have said, Brother Norvell, it takes it takes a lot of studying. I won't say that you can just sit down and understand all this in a matter of an hour. It takes a lot of study and devotion. Um, to understand Bible prophecy and to uh, it's constantly evolving. Not not that the word changes, but the world changes, and there's you know new things happening all the time. I was with you um, during the 
Trump administration and I was watching Jared Kushner and, and all these world leaders come together. And I was thinking, man, this is it. They're going to sign it. They're going to make a deal. And, and they, you know, uh, it didn't happen, but how close were we? It was, it was, it was so close to, to happening, just like the Bible said it was going to happen. And, and I believe that it will. And I would, I would agree too, that the two main things that I keep hearing about in the world are world peace and then world war. It's it's like the and that's the two things that you say that we're really looking for as far as the next big Bible prophecy. Um, you know, everybody wants this peace agreement. People say that they want it, uh, but at the same time, there's always talk of war. You know, there's there's concerns now of Taiwan being invaded by China, and that could lead to something. Of course, I think all major nations um, are one red button away from kicking the thing off. Uh, and it's just, you know, you get the right leader in there or the wrong leader, I, I guess I should say. Um, and if we, if we don't have the right response, it will end up in world war three. So, and all this is, is nothing foreign to us. It's, it's been put in scripture and I, I used to not see it. I, I used to not know it was there. Um, but when I started studying it, it's there. Like when you talk about, um, two point, whatever, 3 billion people dying. The Bible says that one-third of the world's population, that's not something that end-time ministries came up with. That's in the Bible. Um, And I would say the same about the peace agreement. That's not um, special to any ministry. Uh, That's not something you made up. It's it's literally taken from the Scriptures. If you study it, um, it, it's it's in there. And so uh, I would say all that, because some of the stuff that we're going to get into, some people could brush it off as, oh, you know, that's their religious belief. But it's really, if you if you look to the scriptures, it's it's really it's written in the scriptures. Um, mm-hmm. Matthew twenty four to me, when I'm looking at studying end time prophecy, Bible prophecy, Matthew twenty four is like the crux of of all of this because the question was asked of Jesus. When will you return? Because you're saying you got to go away. When are you coming back? And so what will be the signs of your coming? They asked for. And then Jesus just lays it out. And in Matthew 24, just one after another, he says, okay, you can look for this. You can look for this. You can look. And then the the part that I really like the most that I I don't understand why people don't get, um, and I'm not trying to be controversial, but biblical, the Bible says, in my opinion, very clearly Jesus said immediately after the tribulation, you know, that's when he would return. And so I don't, uh, could you speak to that for a moment? And, um, but, and because there's going to be contention or, uh, a difference in interpretation between a pre-trib and a post-trib rapture. Absolutely. It's, it's one of the biggest uh, questions that we get. And right now I'm teaching an end time uh, study there at uh, our building every Thursday night. And I already have people, I mean, I I teach the first lesson and it has nothing to do with the rapture. And that's the very first thing people want to know is when do you guys believe we're going to be raptured? So I always take them there, you know, Matthew 24 verse 29 through 31. It clearly says, like you said, Jesus said that immediately after the tribulation of those days, and, you know, one of the things that it can cause controversy because there's people that have been taught something their whole life, uh, you know, that's more of a traditional teaching. 
And when you think of it, I mean, who wouldn't want to be raptured out of here before bad stuff happens to happen? Uh, but, you know, when, when you look at 11 of the 12 apostles uh, were martyred for Jesus Christ. And so when you look at it like that, we're, we're no better than those guys. We're, I mean, you know, they were walking with Jesus and they were, you know, laying hands on people and healing them. And that, I mean, they were doing everything that Jesus promises in the Bible, you know, that you'll do greater things than these. And, but yet we sit back in this world and we think, oh, well, the Lord loves us so much he's going to zap us out of here. <laughs> yeah. And when you start looking at that scripture, the one thing that everybody tries to say is, well, the elect are the Jews. So th- this is he's talking about coming back for the Jews. Well, when you look in Romans chapter 11, it tells you that the elect is the Christians. It's the church mm-hmm. because it says what the Jews could not reach the Gentiles achieved this. It says the very elect did achieve it. And so Jewish Gentile church that believed in Jesus Christ, they're the elect, not, not the Jews. It's not talking about the Jews that are there. Those Jews are going to be saved. The ones that are are left are going to be saved because they get saved when Jesus comes and his feet touch the Mount of Olives. They're going to look at Jesus in Zechariah, you know, chapter 12 tells us they look at Jesus and they ask him, where did you receive these wounds in thy hands and in thy feet? And he says, I received this in the house of my friends. They're going to realize right there that mm-hmm. Jesus is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So they won't know that until his feet touch the Mount of Olives, the ones that you know haven't been awakened to this. And, and believe me, there are a lot of, of Messianic Jews out there that have uh, realized that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Savior. Uh, we know a lot of them. We have the college there in Jerusalem mm-hmm. and everything like that. So having said that, and just kind of clearing that up, when you look at this scripture, when you look at 29 through 31, you see specific things. You see the sun's darkened, the moon doesn't give its light, the stars fall from the heavens, and the the earth is shaken. So when you look at that scripture, if you go to Revelation chapter 6, and you look at the sixth seal, Mm -hmm. the same exact events are happening at the return of Jesus Christ and the wrath. Mm-hmm. So so what we understand from that, when you put those side by side, and this is just a little snippet of it, but when you put that side by side, you can see those same exact events are happening. In Matthew 24, 29 through 31, he's talking about his return and receiving his elect. When you look in Revelation, he's talking about the wrath, and you see the kings of the earth that are trying to hide from his face Mm -hmm. as he's coming and they see him coming in the clouds with power and great glory. And so those are things that, uh, that's a huge clue. If you can ever help somebody understand that, you can see that the second coming is the rapture of the church. Mm -hmm. It happens at the same time. Mm -hmm. So when we see that, um, you can also find it like in, uh, first Corinthians, uh, 15, when you look in there, it talks about, uh, around verse 20. I don't know. I can't remember exactly where it's at right now, but when you find that it says that Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection mm-hmm. and then those who belong to Jesus at his coming. So it tells you that this happens. The resurrection happens at the coming of Jesus Christ. And then the verse right after that, it says, and now has come the time that the kingdoms of this earth become the kingdoms of our Lord and God. And so it tells you the timing of that as well. So, over and over, you know how we teach Revelation, that uh, the seals are the long story, 
Mm-hmm. The trumpets are a shorter story, and the vials are the real short story, and they all end in the second coming and the rapture of the church. Mm-hmm. So if you take the sixth and seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial, and put them together and read the events that are happening there, you can see that all that is the rapture of the church at the second coming. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know if I hit <laughs> you know that particular what you were wanting me to answer there sure. about Matthew 24. Uh, but that's kind of a short version of a very long story because you take all the different pieces of it, put it together, and you get the big picture. Absolutely. I, I think that's very, very good. Uh, two things that come to my mind when we talk about this, and I've thought about this before, two other scriptures. I don't have them pulled up right now. You have to forgive me. But uh, the scripture says that we shall, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Um, yes. That's pretty clear. Um and then also those uh, they that endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Well, if there's no tribulation, no if there's nothing for the church to go through, the bride to go through, then what do we have to endure? Um, yeah, I, I believe that there's going to have to be something that we have to say no to, um, and maybe some some tribulation. I don't think that. Uh, and correct me on this. This is something that um, spontaneous, but uh, I, I lean towards. Uh, I don't think that we, the church, will go through the great tribulation. Uh, I think that we will be present for it. But uh, and I liken this to the scripture in the Old Testament, where uh, during the plagues, you know, there was three days of darkness, but the children of Israel had light in their in their dwellings, uh, and so they were present for the plagues, but they were not ex- uh, exposed to it. And so, uh, how far off base would I be in, in that thinking? Well, when you you're pretty dead on when you're talking about the um, the wrath of God, pretty mm-hmm. much we're not going to be part of that. We will be in the tribulation. Now, we we don't know exactly how much it's going to affect the United States because of the fact that if you're familiar, there may be people that aren't familiar with it. But you know, if you're familiar with end times teaching, we believe that those beasts in Daniel chapter seven that Daniel sees these four beasts. Uh, the eagle, uh, the lion with eagle's wings, the bear, the leopard, and then the ten-horned uh, beast. We believe these are modern nations, and we have a teaching that we teach that, and we explain it very well. And you can look in Daniel 7. These, these nations are nations that are there when Jesus comes back to establish his kingdom. So that's how we know these are modern-day nations and not the ones that are in Clarence Larkin's book, uh, Dispensational Truth, and the way that people have taught that you know, throughout uh, time and taught it as this is fact. And they say, you know, that, uh, the lion's Babylon and that the bear is media Persia mm-hmm. and, um, that the leopard is Greece and, you know, the 10 horn kingdoms Rome. Uh, so they, they have at least that 10 horn kingdom is, is kind of right there. But what we believe is those wings coming out of that, uh, lion, those Eagles wings that are plucked off and Daniel watches them be put on an, two feet like a man mm-hmm. and a man's heart's given to it. Those wings are found in revelation 12, helping to protect Israel during the tribulation period. Mm-hmm. So this is why we don't believe we believe those wings are America and that, uh, the Eagle is our symbol. The lion is great Britain symbol. Mm-hmm. And those wings are, they are symbolic of America and these wings are helping Israel. Well, the United States is the only uh, nation in the world that has, a military base in Jerusalem. And it just so happens it's our air force 
the wings of the eagle that's over there and they help train uh the israeli pilots and they do uh all kinds of missions with them we have sold them our f-35 fighter which is called the eagle and that's what they use they took the f-35 uh phantom and they updated it and put all kinds of tricks on it so now they can even fly further and go further on missions and they've added some of their technology to it and made the thing even better than it was before and so because we see in scripture that these eagle's wings are helping israel we don't believe that america will be under the mark of the beast but here's the thing about the tribulation so many people think the tribulation is the wrath of god but the bible tells us in revelation 12 uh that it's the wrath of satan and so we, we see that, that it says, um, let me just read it to you. I pulled it up while ago while we were uh, talking, so I'll pull it up here. In that scripture, it says in verse 12, it says, uh, Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them, but woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he has a short time. Well, how short is this time? When you look in Revelation twelve fourteen, just two scriptures later, it says that the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she's nourished for a time, time, and a half a time from the face of the serpent, the serpent, the devil. Mm-hmm. So the devil mm-hmm. comes after Israel because he knows that he has a short time, and that's why he's filled with wrath. His wrath is the tribulation because we understand from Daniel 7.25 and other scriptures within the Bible that the tribulation is for a time, times, and a half time, which is three and a half years. Mm -hmm. So that three and a half years of tribulation, everybody's going to be here for it. But I, I feel like what you're saying is when those vials are poured out, we're going to be protected Mm -hmm. because like Israel was during the time of, the plagues of Egypt, they were present for that stuff happening, yes. but they weren't affected by it. Yes. Well, some of these uh, vials are poured out while we're still here. Mm-hmm. And the first one's poured out on everyone who took the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. So that, that lets you know that it's, it's going to be specific for the people who are against God and, and God's church and God's saints. Yeah. That's very good. That's very good. Uh, and again, if any of this is confusing to any of the listeners, I, I would ask you to go study it. Open up your Bible, study, um, search the scriptures. In them, you will find truth. Um, and so let me let me switch gears here for a minute, if I can. Uh, I want to ask, because I know this is something that is, that is going on, and many people don't even know that it's going on, uh, but it's been in the works for a long time. And there is... Uh, there are, excuse me, there are red heifers over in Israel right now. Um, and I think that this, this has been, they've been working on this for a long time, trying to get uh, red heifers for ready for sacrifice, but they've got to be special without uh, any imperfections. Could you speak to that a little bit and let us know how many are over there and what their plan is? Yes, sir. Right now, they, now there's been five that were sent over there from Texas. Here's, Here's the thing. We, we got in contact with a gentleman that uh, is here in Texas through one of our partners within time. Uh, this gentleman here has been working with Israel for a long time to help them try to get red heifers. They tried so many times in Israel before this 
and they were just trying to keep it there within uh, the country. They didn't want to go to an outside source. Well, those uh, those rabbis came together and said, look, it's not working. Mm -hmm. And so think about this, because they haven't had a red heifer uh, for more than 2,000 years, or at least they haven't had the ashes of a red heifer mm -hmm. for that long. So they've had nine previously. And they've got scripture that the Jews have uh, a prophecy scripture that they believe when they get that 10th heifer, that that's when the Messiah is going to return. So the next one that they get will be the 10th red heifer. So that's, that's a belief that the Jewish people have. So here's what happened. They decide we're going to, we're going to reach out to other means and see what we can find out there in the world and see if there's anybody willing to help us. Well, there's a gentleman, uh, his name, let me look at his name here. His name is Byron Stinson. And, uh, and Dave Robbins got to go and meet with Byron Stinson, who is just right there close to end time. They're not too far from there. Uh, but this gentleman has been raising cattle his whole life, and he knows a lot of cattle growers. So what they started doing is looking for red heifers. Mm -hmm. Well, they found 21 red heifers. And so here in Texas, there are 21 of them that they have. But they can only ship so many over to Israel uh, at a time because it's so costly and there's restrictions on what you can do with livestock. Mm -hmm. So they shipped five over there. Now, right now, there are four of those five that still remain kosher. That means they don't have spot or blemish. Mm -hmm. So blemish is like a scar or anything like that. You know, they can't have any defect where they've been hurt or anything like that. A spot is anywhere where their hair is not red. So if they have a spot of a patch of white hair or a patch of black hair, and it has to be more than just one or two hairs. It's like a spot, you know. Mm -hmm. So so far, only one of them has become unkosher. So they still have four. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is they have to be in their third year uh, before they can sacrifice them and get their ashes. And people may be asking, well, why in the world do they need ashes of a red heifer? Well, in Leviticus, it explains that they had to uh, take these ashes of this sacrificed bull and they had to purify it with water and do like a ritual to purify themselves and uh, to be able to go up, to even go up on the Temple Mount. Mm -hmm. So in, in uh, Israel, there are, I think, five priests that have been brought up since they were babies. Their, their parents dedicated them for this time. And these five priests have never come in contact with a, uh, a deceased human being because that's one of the things is you can't come in contact with a dead body or you're unpure. Mm -hmm. So these five priests are set aside for when this red heifer comes up, these guys will do this ritual they will get the ashes, and then they'll be able to purify every Jewish person that goes up on the temple. So that's the significance of why they need it. Now they have four of them. And this time next year, right around April next year, they'll be old enough to sacrifice them if they're still pure and they're still uh, solid red. Wow. So if something were to happen that they didn't pass, and they still got, you know, 15 of them, Mm -hmm. here in Texas that they could try again as long as those stay kosher too. But we're looking at a pretty good right now. I mean, they're, they're working on their second year of life right now. So they have to be the way it is, is, you know, you're one year old for a year. And then when you turn two, 
Now you're working on two till you turn three. So they've got to be three years and a month okay, uh, before they can be sacrificed. So we're looking at April of next year uh, that they would be able to find out if they're kosher or not. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there. I've, I've been watching that. And so it'd be interesting. Um, yes, sir. You kind of brought up something else when you were talking about the red heifers. Uh, you talked about how this would give them the ability to go up on the Temple Mount. Um, could you, do you have an update on where they stand on the rebuilding of the temple? Cause I know that that's a, a very big thing. The Jewish people want the, the third temple. Can you speak to that? Yes, sir. There is an institution there called the Temple Mount Institute, the Temple Institute. And when you go to Jerusalem, you can tour their facility and you can go in there. And what they have inside that facility is they have every utensil that will go into uh, the rebuilt Jewish temple. They've got it all redone, all made uh, down to a replica of the Ark of the Covenant. That's one of the last things they show you when you go in there. Uh, it's, it's very, um, I guess, just it's an awestruck feeling when you go in there. It really is because you see all these things that they're going to use in that temple. Mm-hmm. So at this point right now, they have the cornerstone of the temple. We know that for sure. It's kept at a, a safe location, just like those heifers we talked about, mm-hmm. where only certain people know where that is. So the cornerstone is the first thing that you would have to have uh, to, to build the temple. They have that ready. Uh, they have all the utensils ready. They tell us that if they were able to build the temple, if they were told you can build your temple now, there's a peace agreement, uh, there's not going to be any problem with you building the temple here. They've told us that they, with modern technology, they believe they could have it built within two years. Wow. So at this point, there's nothing. People call me all the time and contact me all the time and say, hey, I heard they've started building the temple and they built it down by the Wailing Wall. There is a structure down by the Wailing Wall. It is not anything to do with the temple. It's actually a, um, there's a separate place that they're building there for Jewish men to go and Jewish women to go to pray at the Wailing Wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wailing Wall, a lot of people get um, confused and they think the Wailing Wall is part of the first temple, and uh, that's not the case. It, it is a retaining wall mm-hmm. that Herod the Great built when he redid the second temple, when he uh, made it even more grand than it was before, mm-hmm. and he built a retaining wall. That retaining wall is what the Wailing Wall is now. And so people have gotten confused. And, and I even heard they said that there's a, the temple's underground mm-hmm. underneath the, the temple mount. That is a synagogue. It's, it's, not a, it's not a temple. It's different. You know, we have synagogues all over the place here in the United States, mm-hmm. you know, where Jewish people can go and worship. But it's not the temple that's going to be on the temple mount. Mm-hmm. And so people get excited. They get confused sometimes when they hear these things. But there's no temple yet. They haven't started building the temple yet. I saw a story where they are uh, busting up some rocks and things like that. They've done some mock um, sacrifices and things like that around Passover outside of the temple area mm-hmm. or the, the temple mount area. And um, right now, if the Jews were to go up there and, and even pray, that there would be riots. There sure. will be people arrested, and you know we've seen a few people that have gone up there and prayed and been arrested mm-hmm. uh, because nobody's allowed to pray there except for uh, Muslim folks right now. And so the the thing that will allow them to kick off the building of the third temple will be the peace agreement. Is that correct? Yes, sir. 
And and one of the things about that that we need to see, we're going to see a, a, a international uh, organization take over that and, and be, because right now the way it is, the WAF, the Muslim WAF, they control the Temple Mount, but the Israeli mm-hmm. police are the only ones that are armed and they control the crowd. Mm-hmm. So, but the WAF will go up there and if they see you and it looks like you're praying, they'll come over to you and make you stop if you're not Muslim. So right now, uh, nobody can do that. And Jews go up there and you can still go up there and walk around and we go, and we go on tour, we go up and walk on the Temple Mount and everything. And we look at the spot where they're saying, okay, this is where they're saying they can build the temple. Um, that is just north of the Dome of the Rock. Mm-hmm. So if you look at a picture of the Temple Mount and you see the Dome of the Rock, you can look just right beside the Dome of the Rock. There's a huge lot right there. And that's where they believe that they can put the temple and the temple can be shared uh, with that uh, Dome of the Rock because this international community that's going to be over that, mm-hmm. they're going to say that it's it needs to be for every religion to come up there and respectfully worship and pray. Sure. Yeah. Wow. There are so many things. Uh, and I just feel like we're, we're on the cusp of many of these things taking place. Um, I know that some people get discouraged and some people have kind of got burnt out and they say, well, you know, people have been saying that the Lord's coming back for my whole life and it's not happened yet. And so they get discouraged and then they, they tend to quit believing. Um, but if you could, uh, in your closing remarks tonight, and again, thank you so much for sharing this information and giving us these updates. Uh, but if you could give some closing remarks and maybe, uh, speak to the church at large um, and provide maybe a word of encouragement or a piece of advice during these hard times, uh, what would it be? Well, you know, I mean, we touched on a little bit of it well ago in Matthew 24 when Jesus tells you these things to look for. He said, but um, the the people that endure until the end, they shall be saved. And so it, it calls for patience and endurance. We see this over and over in the scriptures and uh, so the Lord is telling us, just be patient and, and endure through this and make it and keep your eyes focused on me. Don't focus on the world around you. But Matthew um, chapter 6 is one of my favorite uh, verses that I like to go to for encouragement because I think if people really understand what that scripture is saying, um, you know, it talks about um, not worrying about what you're going to eat and don't worry about what you're going to drink because your father in heaven knows that you need these things. Mm -hmm. But what does it say? It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people say, well, we can seek the kingdom. They leave out the righteousness part, but that's part of it. We have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things shall be added unto you. So if we're doing what God calls for us to do, which one of the things he says in that Matthew 24, he says, in this gospel shall be preached into all the world, and then the end shall come. So what are we supposed to be doing as Christians? Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. And remember, when Jesus was baptized, and, and John said, you know, shouldn't you be the one baptizing me? And Jesus says, no, we do this to fulfill what? To fulfill all righteousness. Mm-hmm. So that's part of God, what God requires for us to be with him is that we need to be out there preaching the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. So if we're doing that, we're going to be fine. I mean, we're not going to have to worry about anything. You, you think about 
the children of, of Israel, when they were in the desert for four years, their shoes didn't even wear out. True. God was feeding True. them from the sky every morning. They just had to go out and get their food. That's right. So he's going to take care of his people. He loves us, and, and people just don't need to get discouraged what's happening around us. I always think about when the disciples were in the boat and the storm came, mm-hmm. and they were scared to death. But Jesus is asleep in the oh, boat, and yeah. they go wake him up. And they're like, Lord, don't you even care? We're out here. We're about to die in this storm. And he says, Ye of little faith. He says, peace be still. And that storm. Yeah. And so that's the way God is. And if we focus on him and not the storm happening around us and keep our business in his business, we're going to be fine. Amen. Amen. Very well said, Brother Norvell. And thank you again so much for taking time to come and and give us these updates and share with us um, your insight on the scriptures. We much appreciate it, and I know that many people will be blessed by what you have brought to the table tonight. So thank you again. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Amen. Well, we are going to close this session out, and we look forward to the next session. Uh, If you have not already, go and check out End Time Ministries, uh, all social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube. Check them out on their website um, and study your Bibles. If you study your Bibles, you'll learn a little bit more. Amen. God bless you, and we will talk to you next time.